Hey guys, Walter Fetchick here to tell you that Unicorn.com may be the world's premier esports betting site, but they're also your best bet for keeping up with all the esports you love. With their site's newest update, they've reinvented their Live Now system and created a TV guide style layout to find out when your favorite teams will be playing next. And if that isn't simple enough, they've even added a search bar to help filter it down even further. And you know, even if you aren't a gambling fan, Unicorn's newest update is a must-have for any esports fan. And you might even discover your favorite new writer in their news section. We've got my man Drowling with some excellent CSGO content, and you can find some fantastic articles from my lovely co-host, Chase Wassner, as well. So check out the new layout at Unicorn.com, because there are a few places where you can stay up to date on all your favorite esports, and Unicorn can help. Unicorn.com. Welcome to the new e-sportsbook. Hello internet and welcome to the Rough Drafts European LCS 2017 Summer Split Week 3 Guess the Lines show. I of course am your Guess the Lines World Heavyweight Champion Walter Ciedis Fedchuk. And yeah, we are we are three weeks into Europe, and week two, I think week two in both leagues was pretty interesting, but week two in Europe had a pretty big surprise, I think. Did and, it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes, it, it, it did. I mean, I, and, and to talk about whether that really was a surprise or not, of course, is my good friend and co-host, Chase. Redshirt King Wassenaar. So Chase, we'll get to what we're going to, the argument about whether it was a surprise or not, but how are you doing today? I mean, I'm doing well. Uh, I feel vindicated because the thing that you think is a surprise is something I told people on the podcast was my Chase Wassenaar seal of approval. I liked the bet. Uh, I liked Fnatic. Let's just not beat around the bush here. I liked Fnatic over G2 because I thought G2 wasn't going to be well practiced in the amount of time that they had. And I was absolutely right. So, you know, I'm just going to keep on doing this whole expert thing, keep my 3-1 lead over UNR Challenge, and and enjoy this uh, this lovely room that I'm in. Gee, I wonder what I'm up to. I guess you internet detectives will have to figure that out. But, yeah, I'm feeling good. Feeling excited to talk about some, some European action uh, where teams actually make sense and perform the way that you would expect, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I'm saying it was a surprise, because if you look at everything else, I think every other match went exactly the way every single person expected it. And that has sort of been Europe's calling card last year and a half has been, these are the good teams, these are the kind of in the middle teams, and these are the bad teams, and that's just how everything goes. So Chase, uh, let us let us get to your up. We, we know what your up of the week is going to be, so... Go ahead. What what was your up for week two of the European LCS? Look, shout out to Fnatic. I mean, I got to praise the once and potentially future kings of Europe. They've made it happen back-to-back -back weeks now. And, you know, I, I can say a lot of things about let's not judge G2. They were, you know, they hadn't been practicing recently. They haven't had even a single week of team practice on the post midseason patch because trick and uh trick was in korea expect was in korea uh we had perks who was sick 
They just all flew back in just in this last week, so they're not nearly as practiced as other teams are. And you know, with the new Rift Herald and everything else, I expected some sloppiness from them. But I, you know, it, you still have to take advantage of that. And the the power that G2 has is that across the board, they have so many different power sets, two different ways to win. You know, you, you still need to be, you know, really play to your best if you're going to beat them, even if G2's just at 80%. And Fnatic did that. I really loved seeing the developments in pathing from Broxa. I think that his uh, his early vision emphasis has really helped uh, get a lot of those kind of roams on point. I think that the Shen Kennen synergy that we saw from Soaz and Reckless was just delightful. Um, I think that it's it's clear that when you give Reckless Kennen, which I don't know how in the world G two decided like, hey. I think giving him Ken in three games in a row is a good idea, but they did, and Reckless proved that he can single-handedly snowball games off of it. When he was left to split push on his own, maybe not so successful, but overall, the guy was just an absolute monster in teamfights. And when you have a guy like Reckless who's popping off, that means that you can have a guy like Caps come in and just flank so well and you know make intelligent flanks as well. You know, I really loved... Why the fact that they picked Cassiopeia in game three as a Lucian counter because the grounded status effect cannot be dashed through by the Lucian E. Um, that's something that maybe I hadn't necessarily thought of as an immediate reaction, but made so much sense when I saw it. And Caps played it so perfectly that it really just snowballed that in their favor and made Perks, who's a very good mid laner, look very foolish in games one and three. So. Overall, I'm excited about Fnatic. I'm excited about what it is they're doing. I'm excited about the potential of this team. I think, you know, we'll still have to see how they adjust when teams really start hitting at those pocket picks when they say, no, you cannot play Shen so as because we know that your globals are the best thing about your play and we're not going to let you play Ken and Reckless and we're just going to accept that you're going to get to play meta stuff and we think we can beat you one-on-one -on -one with the meta. I think that's what... You know, I think that's what G2 is going to do the next time they play. And I think the Unicorns of Love are going to try to challenge Fnatic with very specific counters to the things that Fnatic is going to pick. So those are the two challenges Fnatic faces ahead of them. But this was hurdle number one, and they succeeded. And they're going to go into the intergroup games 4-0 and at the top of Group A, and that's going to be really awesome to see. I, I think they have a lot to be proud of in that regard. So... Uh... I, I get where you're coming from on the, oh, why did G2 let them just play their comfort picks? I think that we have seen Reckless is just so good at this style of play. And everyone looks at him and goes, yeah, if we force Fnatic to play standard, we can probably probably match up to them, although they have shown a little bit more standard play in a couple games here and there, and they've looked pretty strong. They are you know undefeated. They've only lost this one, uh, one map to, to G2 up until this point. So I don't have a problem with this. This is the first time they're seeing each other. They're already coming off a break, so they have this, G2 has this sort of built-in excuse. Let Fnatic play what they're good at and see if you can't devise ways to beat it. And it was either on Reddit or it was in one of the discords we're in that someone brought this up. Like, let them play it. Figure out a way to beat it. There are you know things you can do to a champion other than just ban it out. If you can mm -hmm. figure out how to exploit that champion, how to exploit things. We've seen last split how teams exploited Soaz playing Shen was you get a Rengar and you just go, you know, Soaz loves to split push. Ken, uh, Reckless on Cannon loves to split push. So you have a Rengar that just lane ganks them. And while Trick didn't do that, his his champion choices, I thought, were 
a little weird to me. I, Zach just does not feel like a trick champion. I don't well, care how strong the champion is. It's not it, a trick champion. It would help if he'd had more than like a week to play it, which every sign of evidence says that he didn't. And this is something that I think speaks to the hubris of G2 that they believe like, look, we're the champions. We've won three splits in a row. Who cares if we haven't had time to really focus on all these new synergies? We haven't had time to really focus on this new patch. Trick, you can figure it out. You're the best jungler in Europe, you can figure it out. And the answer was no, you can't. Um, he didn't. He looked very poor on the champion. I, I don't think that's going to be true two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Um, I think that it was one of those things where it probably escaped through pick and bans. And Youngbug looked at it and said, crap, we can't give that to Broxa because we know Broxa's really good at it. So Trick, you have to take it now. I mean, that happens. I mean, that's something that, that happens um, when you're not necessarily all locked in. And I felt like in general, I would describe G2 as being about 80 to 90% locked in instead of that 100% full force team that we saw do so well in the MSI semifinals. Like, I, I think that they'll work their way back up to that. I don't think that this is going to be a long-term problem, but ultimately, you know, Fnatic had to be the team that was in front of them, and they did that. And I think they should be proud of the effort that they've put on so far this split. And, you know, whether it's Reckless or Caps or, you know, a, a Soaz that, dare I say it, looks consistent so far this split. Consistent. Why don't we use that word to describe Soaz? It's been a while. But we're there right now, and I want to see how long they can make this happen. I want to believe that this could be a new era of Fnatic, because this is a much more fun Fnatic team to watch than the team that had to crawl their way into the playoffs and had this kind of all-of-a-sudden turnaround. This is a team that I can believe in for more than just one patch, and that's nice to see. Okay, that's fair. Uh, my app of the week is going to be the Unicorns of Love. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull the Unicorns of Love. Uh, Mysterious monkeys were a little, little. It was a little spicy early on in that series, but Unicorns of Love then put uh, the smack down on them. And I have to shout out Deficio, but also condone him, a uh, dude. I'm the one who came up with that. Mysterious monkeys were just like an earlier version of Unicorns of Love. So just, just cite me next time on broadcast. I'd really appreciate that. But I do agree with the analogy. I think it makes a lot of sense. And then, man, the. The cojones, the just faith in themselves to come back against H2K. Being down in that third game and coming back and winning team fight after team fight after team fight. Like, I just love watching them play. They are a team that just never gives up, period. And it's just fun to watch. It does not matter how far behind they are. They're, they're going to make a play. They are not going to go out like a punk. They are going to go out swinging and swinging and bloody and you're – it's going to take you either completely knocking them out or it's going to be in late into the 15th round where they finally just collapse from sheer exhaustion. Um, but this this was one of those, like, okay, can H2K actually compete against them in this group? And it did look like they can, and it does look like they will be probably fighting for that, you know, number one spot when they play against each other later on in the season. Um, but H2K versus UOL3 once again goes to Unicorns of Love. It's that close, but I got I I gotta praise Unicorns of Love for their heart. Because at yeah. the end of the day, that's that's what that team is really all about. Uh, Chase, with every up comes a down. <laughs> Who is your down for for week two? Man, I just I'm I'm so tired, Vitality. I'm just so tired of watching you play week in and week out, 
and learn just so little. And I understand that, you know, Yamato Cannon was supposed to be this guy that's supposed to come in and really hammer out some of these issues, uh, both in pick a band problems in terms of their kind of just figuring out the fundamentals of how to carry out a game after the 15 minute mark. Yamato Cannon is a guy that we've talked about before. It's great at developing talent and at establishing the basics. Splice under Yamato Cannon was a team that understood how to technically play the game. They did so passively and too passively in my humble opinion, but they did have a good understanding of how to move around the map, where you're supposed to be, at what time, what openings you're supposed to be looking for. It was boring, but it was technical and it worked for them, especially in the summer split. Vitality, I, what is, what are you doing as an organization if you're in Vitality spot right now? Because you're not a playoff team with this roster. There's an argument that says you're the worst team in your group right now. At least in the series, monkeys have some understanding of like, well, when you get a kill on the top lane, that means we should probably go for the top tower. They might stay around too long, but at least they know that that's an objective that they should be working on. Vitality, it's just, they're so reliant on these individual outplays in the early game. And you know, shout out to Joko. He puts his heart and soul into every single first blood. This guy's incredibly consistent in that regard. I have respect for that. He has a very good sense of early pathing. We want to make a joke that Lulex is the pathing god. I'm going to throw Joko out there as a pathing god, especially in the early game. But everything after that, I don't know what their win condition is as a team. Is it playing around Nuke Duck? Because he had one great Fizz game, but even in that Fizz game, like Fizz is not a champion that can single-handedly carry team fights. He gets good picks and gets good split pushing, but he's not... The team fight, but the rest of their composition was built around team fighting. So what was the point there? And I don't know what Cabochard's even doing nowadays. And I, I feel like Vander just spends so much time stuck in lane, which is just a terrible use of your Vander. Vander is known for having this roaming presence, for being this playmaker. And I, I feel like we're not seeing that nearly enough. And what's, what we're left with is a team that has all of the passivity of Splice but with none of the refined team fighting that made Splice still a playoff team. They're, they're, they don't have the killer instinct or the ability to penalize teams who struggle to finish things off. So what you're left with is a team that isn't really good at anything outside of getting first bloods and the occasional first tower. But you, you have to, like, there has to be a step two. It, I feel like watching Vitality is watching a team go, Okay, we're going to take the first blood. Yeah, now what? I don't know. And then they just lose. And it just becomes a slow bleeding out process. And I don't know, man. It's too, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of waiting for this team and these pieces that we are supposed to believe have talent to them. Just get wasted because guess what i know vander's good i know steelback is good i know that nuke duck has the potential to have some good games because we saw his fizz individually that was a good fizz game now he's limited in which pool he can do that in but at least we saw that it's possible it doesn't work as a team and they look worse playing together than they do playing apart in previous stops and i don't know i i feel like this is going to be one of those teams where it's like CJ Antis where they're going to blow up and these players are going to sign elsewhere and half of them are going to go on to have great careers on another team. Because I, they're just I, not. This is, uh, this is Liquid with two young guys that have upside potential. <sighs> Steelbeck and Joko. This, this, 
Vitality is doing the exact same things. And Vitality's mine down for the week, too. I totally agree with the tired thing. I've been tired of them since they took sixth place in their first split. I've been exhausted with them. They are just a bore. But for every criticism that I have of Steve and Team Liquid, every single criticism matches up with Vitality. They're not good character players. They all have ego issues. There is this thing across the board. You bring up the Yamato cannon point and you're trying to you know, defend it. It's like, yeah, you're right. He is the guy that teaches the basics. None of these guys want to learn the basics. They've had, what, two years now where they could have learned the basics of playing as a team. They've kept their solo laners the exact same. Finally, they've sort of started to continue shuffling around. Like, it's not like it's brand new team and it's, you know, clay that Yamato Cannon can mold into the likeness that he wants. Like, no. You have two really stubborn players that have been here since Vitality purchased this spot that are already known as being egotistical, that are already known as being hard to work with. Granted, Yamato Cannon has worked with one of them in the past in Nuke Duck. You have this young jungler that you're right. He should be the one that Yamato Cannon is spending all of his time on, teaching him how to jungle, doing all these things. But he's not like Trashy, where he is a late team fight type disruptive player. He is very much in this mold of young, aggressive, early game European junglers that you have to teach him the appropriate team fighting stuff. But that has to come from there's a team for him to team fight with. Like the best thing that Vitality could do for themselves is just make the laning phase go for 45 minutes. Like that is Vitality as its core is let's just lane phase for 45 freaking minutes and let's hope that maybe we get lucky and get a Baron steal. Like, that's what they need to try to do. This is not a team. This is a failed experiment that the Vitality Management is just summing their nose at. Like, this is a team that is an example of why there should not be franchising in Europe. Because this is a team that hasn't done anything to grow itself as a League of Legends brand, as an LCS brand. I haven't seen any behind the scenes with Vitality to try and learn to care about these players or anything like this. Granted, they're a French organization, it'd probably be in French and I wouldn't be able to understand it, but I haven't even seen them try to make an effort at anything like this. Like, I don't care about Vitality. I don't care about them as a brand. I don't care about them as players. The only person that I have any type of interest in what happens to him after the split is Jokum. And that is because he has shown a lot of potential as a young player that if he gets into the right situation, he has someone that could teach him. He has a coach that could teach him. He can start to adapt out of just being this guy that gets first bloods. You know, that used to be the knock on Yakos early on. He just got first bloods. Rocket was not this really great team fighting game. They, they compounded all of these early leads into fights, but they had a lot of macro problems. Yakos and H2K still have some macro problems. We still see moments where we go H2K, what are you guys doing in the mid game? And you kind of throw your hands up and go, oh well. Joko could turn into that player, and that player is one of the best three junglers in Europe, and I'm sure almost any team in the LCS would be like, oh, we can have Yankos? Like, yeah, I'd sign Yankos. Like, that's a great path for Joko, but someone has to guide him there. Someone has to teach him there. And the difference is, Yankos had a team around him. He had players that understood their role and that actually did try to team fight and actually try to team fight in a way that might win them a team fight or win them an objective or win the game. This is this is three players that are all just sort of three carries that are all just sort of throwing themselves into these skirmishes and these fights without really a care. And this is the ultimate like paycheck team. These guys are just here to earn a paycheck. Yeah, I um, it, I was curious because you brought up that point about what have they done to grow their brand. 
And so I went on to the vitality page while you're giving that lovely explanation of how they've they failed. And I agree with most of what you said. Um, their last post on the website was from May 22nd, and it was a job post looking for an analyst. Before that, it was May 19th, uh, announcing the signing of Yamato Cannon. They have not done any follow-up on any of the games that they've played. I could not find a single like behind-the-scenes thing. When I looked at the community page, it was basically just a list of, of some of the Twitch streams that they do. I'm unconvinced that Vitality are throwing their all into this in the same way that I'm unconvinced, as much as it hurts me to say this, you know, we've talked about Rocket not necessarily investing as much as you would think a company like Rocket would invest into the team. I think, in general, Europe is still going through a lot of those growing pains. That's why we're not going to have franchising in Europe yet. And I, I think it's the right call to wait off. But man, you know, when you look at Vitality in particular, it's such a shame because they have money. You know, this is a uh, you know, venture capitalist style organization. They have investors. They have the resources. They just aren't doing anything with it. It seems like they've just, you know, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll agree with the liquid comparison in the sense that it feels like they picked one idea of what this seems going to be, and they've stuck with it long after it's proven to not work. And at some point, you just have to acknowledge that you have to change the system fundamentally. There is something broken about this team, and. I'm not seeing any signs that this team has gotten better, despite adding someone who I think is a top five support in the region. And you wouldn't even notice because they've done nothing with him, because they don't know what to do, because they have no system, because they have no game plan, because no one is willing to actually put in the work to fix all of these glaring errors. And by the time we're going six or seven causes into why they're not succeeding on the stage, like, I mean, that you just need to rebuild. You just need to rebuild your infrastructure from the ground up because this is getting you nowhere. It's it just makes me sad. It's it's not even like liquid where it makes me angry because there's no real hubris here. It's not like Vitality go out every split like no, but this split we're going to be the greatest. Like Vitality just kind of stay quiet. It's just kind of sad. It's sad that a team that should have so much better performance on the Rift just looks so lifeless and dull and dull and dull. Did I mention dull? They're kind of dull. Uh, let's, let's move boring, on to talk about anyone else. List. Well, <laughs> the problem is um, um, we're, we're not moving on to talk about anything else because the first match of the week, and, and now we do have to say this, we are recording this on Monday night um, because of just life stuff. Uh, so Unicorn has not put the odds out yet. So we'll do a separate Just the Lines episode that'll be like 15, 20 minutes where we just quickly run through what we think the line is, why we think Unicorn is right or wrong, one quick statement about it. We'll be doing that. It'll come out either on Wednesday or early, early, early Thursday morning uh, for our European listeners. You know, probably be like midnight or one o'clock in the morning uh, for our East Coast and, and NA type fans. Uh, yeah. But moving on, Vitality versus Mysterious Monkeys. And before we talk about this series, until you got me on the I just want to hate on Vitality train, my other... <laughs> The, the, the down that was in my head before that was the rookie of the year contest in Europe. <laughs> because other than Yuki, no other rookie in Europe, which is basically just the rest of Mysterious Monkeys and, and Pride Stalker, everyone else looks pretty awful. So two weeks in, Chase, is there anything that you want to say 
that, that counters that? Do you think this is a one-horse race where Yuki is just kind of blasting his way off into the off into space and nobody can catch up to him? Or, or has anybody else impressed you? I mean, look, I like Yuki. You know, I, I think there's a tendency when there's like a one-horse race or a two-horse race uh, to say that that means that the guy who's going to win isn't good. That's kind of where we got with the rookie of the split race in North America last split, where it was between contracts at Acadian, and we thought both had fundamental flaws, but there wasn't really anyone else who could challenge them, so the whole thing felt kind of off. But then you watch Acadian in the split, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah he's still really good, actually, um, when they play him, which we'll talk about when we get to NA. But, you know, I, I think that there's a... I don't want to underplay what Yuki is doing right now, because Yuki is a guy who is the only carry on that team who they can rely on with any sort of consistency, who is getting a lot of enemy attention thrown his way because he is their win condition and is holding up masterfully. The guy looks great. The guy looks like a top-tier European AD carry. Imagine what would happen if he had a support who was as good as he was or a top lane or a mid laner that could draw any attention away from him. The guy just, I mean, his Twitch has been awesome. I think his flanks and team fights have been superb. I think, you know, what you want from a guy in that AD carry position is a guy who doesn't die in stupid ways, and his team fight positioning is, is solid. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's solid. I, I don't have massive flaws, I, you know, in that. I, a guy who has a good understanding of when you can get away with some of these flank engages, a good understanding of the map, and I, I think he does that too. And someone who's a good laner, and... Is he a great laner? No, but he, he holds up. You know, he wasn't getting blown out by a guy like Samix, and Samix is a really good AD carry. So if you're keeping relatively even as a rookie, I think that's pretty nice to see. He kept even with Copy. I think that's nice to see, because I actually think Copy is a very good player. Um, so, so I like Yuki quite a bit. It's unfortunate that the rest of his team is just so not good. I mean, I I have it in my notes here that Jisoo sucked with at least 10 U's there. He's bad. He's really bad. He's probably worse than anyone who was in the European split last split. I don't know if I can come up with a worse. Heva. Heva is, but see, but Heva didn't have, like, if your support is bad, it can only hurt you so much. When your top laner is bad and feeding that many kills over, that snowballs a game single-handedly because you lose an entire half of the map. Like, this is, it's been atrocious. It's been a dumpster fire. And, you know, look, maybe I'm, I'm being unfair and, and Heva was just as bad. I, I've blocked out so much of that Origin team from my mind because the whole thing was terrible. But, I mean, Jisoo's not good. The fact that I can even bring it up as a conversation is not a great sign. I can't think of anyone other than Hiva who was probably worse than what Jisoo's doing right now. And oh, by the way, Koski was by far the worst mid laner in Europe. I mean, sure, he looked okay in lane against Exile, when Exile's laning is really bad right now, for whatever reason, and I'll get to that when we talk about the Unicorns of Love a little more, but I mean, that's not enough to justify the fact that he dies for so many stupid reasons. I think the stat that stood out to me was in game one against Splice, he died three times in isolation. As in, there was no one on his team that was even near him to help. He just died because he was in a, the wrong place because he's an idiot. And I don't, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, he's not, he, he does not understand 
how to move around the map and how to work around your vision and realize when you can move up and when you need to hold back and when to not overextend. He has no understanding of any of it. I don't know what he's doing. The, the problem is that no one on the team understands that except <laughs> Yuki. So except like, Yuki, yeah. we could totally crucify Koski. And I remember when we were watching the VODs, I made a joke that in game two, it was 15 minutes in, I was like, Koski's 0-0-1 chase, it's an improvement. And that, that was... That was sort of ha 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 kind of funny moment, but like I, but, I yeah, he individually has looked very poor, but also Llama Bear hasn't looked great. Obviously, Jisoo hasn't looked great. When your top laner is getting soloed one v one, the jungler doesn't need to go top. When a lane is getting crushed, he doesn't need to go there. He can focus on the bottom lane. It's just I and and, and Dreams, Dreams I think is the second best player on this team. Granted, well, he's just playing Thresh. Yeah, I was going like to say, he has a good challenge. the one champion that, that he's good at. But, but challenge or not, like, challenge or not, he's still the second best player on this team, whether he's playing one champion or eight different champions. And I've seen a lot of things out of him that he sort of understands, like, okay, I can't, like, Yuki and I can't really win this lane, so I'm going to go and try to make a play in the mid lane. I'm going to go try and get some vision. I, I think I look at this bottom lane, and I see a lot of potential from the bottom lane. I don't see potential anywhere else. I see. I'm going to argue that with you. I actually like Llama Bear more than you do. Because he makes, he goes for plays. He dives in the lane. He, he looks at where the opportunity should be. Now, he makes silly mistakes. I think they overextend too much when they go for tower ganks. The tower dives were, I, I think, the right call, but you have to know when to back off. And they would stay way too long. Oftentimes, especially against the Unicorns of Love in game one, it was super obvious that they would just overstay their welcome. But I like the concept. I think in general, he has shown a willingness to try things. I mean, if I'm going to sit here and penalize a team like Vitality or Splice, which I will penalize them later today for being just this passive team that doesn't take risks, that doesn't take chances, then when I see a guy like Llama Bear, who maybe his, it's not really working out more often than not, but he's trying to make plays. He is moving around the map. He is ganking for his solo laner. He is trying to gain that understanding of, of where he should be. And I think he's making the right call in general as to where on the map he should be. He just has no support. And when he goes in, he goes so in that there's no backup strategy. But even if there was, like, so what? So he gets away, and it's just the solo laner that dies. Like they're still gonna lose. It just means they lose faster because he, you know, died too. I, I, you know, I'd love to see him on a different team. I'll put it this way: uh, having watched Rocket so far, I'd rather have Llama Bear than Pride Stalker right now, and that is kind of terrifying that's, to say. But that's yeah, that's I mean, right now looking at the two of them, like I. I, I well, I'll save my thoughts for Pride Stalker for later. But it's you've, it's you've made it pretty great. well known your thoughts on Pride Stalker. <sighs> made it really well known your thoughts on Pride Stalker. It's really not ideal. It's not so ideal. Chase. All of this aside, the monkeys stand a chance up against Vitality. It just doesn't seem like it. Yes, they stand a chance because Vitality is really not good at League of Legends either. And I think the the key for me is going to be, what is Vitality's win condition? Because uh, they out-talent the monkeys. Right. So now you go across the board. Do we think Kavishard is that much better yes. than Jisoo? I don't think I mean, yes. he's better, but is he that much better? Yes. <laughs> yes. If I'm Vitality, this is how we win. Put him, uh, put Kavishard on, like, Renekton or Kled. Kennen or Kled or Fiora 
or Camille or literally anything that's just like, I'm going to bully you for the first 15 minutes of the game and then just split push you to death. There we go. There, there's one. Put um, Nuke Duck on Fizz. Put Nuke Duck on Fizz or Echo or on like something else, a LeBlanc, something else that he can... Be. I'm building a 1-3-1 one, one composition for them. That's all I'm doing here. Just yeah. build a 1-3-1 one, one composition, put Steel back on whatever AD carry he wants. A Caitlyn might be your best bet. Um, Ash could work. That allows him to make some plays there. Basically, just build a 1-3-1 one, one composition and bully the monkeys around by the fact that, like, yes, Yuki's pretty solid. He's going to be the one that you're kind of going to be worrying about. And I think monkeys need to take a page out of Spring Split Fanatic's sort of end-of-the-year playbook and just go all in on the AD carry and let mm-hmm. the AD carry play whatever he wants and let him be the crux of every decision and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I just don't think Yuki's quite at that position where, where Reckless is. Like, I don't think he can play Kennen. That's, I think, was a really core part of that. But, yeah, but Vitality, just one three one split-push composition. That's all you have to do. Just bully him. Like I said... Laning phase, 45 minutes into the game. That's all you got to do here, and you'll beat the monkeys because I think that your your players at every single position are that much better than the people across the across the rift from them. I mean, I guess that's fair. I, my one, the only thing that's keeping me from going all in on this is this idea that if Vitality are forced into a team fight, I don't think they know what they're doing, and I think that of the ten people on the rift, Yuki knows what he's doing the most, and I think that that might be enough if it comes down to say a baron where vitality take an ill-advised baron because they think that they're far enough ahead or they fight for like an elder dragon that they don't really need or all of the other micro things or even just as simple as they play way too passively and they wait for like a twitch or a caitlin or a kogma or whatever they put uh yuki on to hyperscale i think I want to see Vitality show any sense of kill pressure and map pressure on the map on a macro strategy before I say, yes, they're going to easily get a two over anybody. I think this is going to be a very ugly three-map series is where I see it going. I think it's 2-1 to Vitality, but I think we're all going to hate ourselves for having watched it by the end. That's, that's kind of where I see it. It's going to just be grimy, messy, sloppy... Just I this is gonna be a sweep. It's gonna be a sweep. Okay. I don't have faith in the monkeys. That's I fine. I, I have faith in Yuki. I don't have faith in everyone else. And for some reason I don't think Vitality will let Dreams play Thresh. I mean just putting that out there. <laughs> I think someone might not let him play Thresh and might be like, Okay, can you play anything else? I mean, his Braum was okay. His I thought his Braum ults were solid. His Braum was okay. Uh the shields were not, but you know. Yeah, that's fair. Uh moving on. <laughs> Uh, Chase, you want to talk about Pride Soccer now? Rocket versus Fnatic? I'll, yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you 30 seconds here. Talk about Pride Soccer. Um, look, Pride Soccer can play Kha'Zix pretty decently. That's what Pride Soccer does. Um, he plays Kha'Zix. And it has put Rocket in a position where the number of strategies that are available to them are incredibly limited because Kha'Zix requires you to play out the laning phase in a very specific way. Um, they, they're, they're at this point where like, okay, well, let's get, you know, what does he want to do? Well, he wants to get kills in isolation. Okay, so let's gank for the mid lane. Well, Betsy's playing like garbage right now. Like, this is this is the Betsy that I was afraid was going to come to rock at when he first left Gambit. When we were like, oh man, is this player good? Is he bad? I don't really know. And I was just so terrified. And then, you know, he became the best player on that Rocket team, a bad Rocket team, but still looked pretty solid. Now he looks like the guy I was afraid he was going to be. He just looks completely out of sorts and no confidence and 
poor laning, terrible overextensions uh, and split pushes, just really bad all around. Um, and then you have Alfari, who, I mean, sorry, Alfari, Faxi, excuse me. Um, Get ahead of yourself and, there, buddy. I mean, I, I'm going to say the same about both players, so I guess it's fine. Um, just really seems to have dropped off in the laning phase, and his positioning in teamfights and his role in teamfights has significantly decreased. I, I have been unimpressed with his global usage. I've been unimpressed with his ability to initiate teamfights, which is unfortunate and incredibly frustrating to me as a fan because the thing that I loved about him was his Narin gauges. That's what made me kind of turn the corner on Faxi. Like, look at this guy. He can hit the ult. He can slam everyone in, gets a big teamfight, and then a Rocket can come in and seize the day. And he's not landing those anymore. And if he's not landing those and Betsy's not giving you anything, then you're not really getting anything out of Kha'Zix. So what you're left with is poor, um, poor Hjarnin and Wadid. They're doing their best, man. Like, I love watching them. You know, I thought Wadid's Rakan was awesome. Oh I thought God. that he did a very good job of landing the charms. I thought, you know, in general, he did very well. I thought Hjarnin's played surprisingly solidly. Um, you know, I talked about in week one, I was surprised that Isaiah looked good. That continues to look good. Uh, I think that you know, watching the synergy that he's developing with Wadid is just quite nice. Um, I, I think that the problem becomes when he's forced to hyperscale. Um, there's there's not a lot that he can do because the rest of the team is collapsing in on him and he doesn't get an opportunity. Kogma never got a chance to see where that Kogma was going to go. He, the game was over before Kogma got to any of his power points. And... The Jinx would have been interesting in a game in which they hadn't lost both solo lanes by the 10-minute mark irreversibly. So, I, I don't know, man. I'm... Rocket seems to be telegraphing it too much that they realize <sighs> that their solo, that their upper third of the, upper two-thirds of the matches aren't very good. And they're like, okay, we're all ending the bot lane. And everyone's like, okay, you're all ending the bot lane. I guess we're gonna just kill the bot lane? I, you okay. know, like, like you watch junk, enemy junglers just chill in the bot lane for like you know three quarters of the game. We're like, all right, we're waiting for the gank. They're uh, they're pride stock. We're waiting for you to try and get yarn in ahead. We're waiting for Wadi to engage on whoever, and then we're gonna pop them. And like like you said, yarn and Wadi have been pretty fantastic. I think they have been. Uh, you said earlier about Yuki. Oh, I think he's in you know the upper tier of eighty carries in Europe. I look at all the eighty carries in Europe right now, and I go, holy crap. When did Europe get a, like, all nine 80 carries not named TQ <laughs> are all pretty damn good. Like, I'm not talking, yeah. like, they're not going to, you know, not all of them are going to compete with, you know, a Daft or an Uzi or a double lift on, like, an international stage. But, like, this is a really, really deep 80 carry crowd here. Yeah. This is really, really deep. And then when you look over at NA, it's kind of, you know kind of sparse it's kind of weak across the board but, well like, and it's funny that you make that comparison because i think that's something that you and i talked about in season five with north america was just well if every bot lane in north america is good then you having a good bot lane doesn't really mean anything yeah because the other bot lane's going to do well as well and that's the problem with rocket like okay yarn and we look great cool so what else you got? Because <laughs> the other bot lanes are also looking pretty darn good, and you're not going to be so much better. I mean, look, Kjarnan, I love you, buddy. Your damage in teamfights has been great. You're by far the team's biggest damage dealer because you actually remember what a skill shot looks like and you know how to auto-attack properly. So shout out to you for that. But like, you need to have some follow-up. 
it's like, okay, well, you know, I play my Yarnin card. Okay, awesome. What else you got? Um, Betsy diving 1v3 and getting himself killed? Um, that's not effective. It's not... I, I don't know, man. Like, I... Like, I don't know if Betsy needs a hug or, like, a like a slap or what it is, but we've got to get him back to where he was. Like, there is there is a mental problem that he has right now. And maybe it just it's the fact that he lost the jungler that did the best job that he's had in a Betsy while. Just, I, I think Betsy's problem is he just needs someone to get him through laning phase. I think he's just a really, really weak laner. At the yeah. end of the day, I think that's his problem. And if he can get into team fights, and he's not good at squishy. He's gotta be. He's gotta have some protections. He's gotta have some health regen. Like, there's a reason his best champions are like Vlad and Swain and Rise. Like, those champions built into themselves have some durability. You're talking about going Rod of Ages with Rise and having the Seraphs and Braid. Ace, you get that shield. Like, Swain, obviously a super tanky sustain mage. Vladimir, the same type of thing. I'm sure if Mordekaiser was still, you know, 13 pop Mordekaiser was still a thing, he would be great at 13 pop Mordekaiser. Like, those kind of champions are where Betsy thrives. The problem is those just aren't the popular champions right now. It's all these control mages, K uh, Orianna, Syndra. We're seeing Lucian come in the mid lane. Like, it's like that time he played Sona mid lane. It's just, it's, it's not his style. And all of those kind of champions beat up on what he likes to play. They go Morello's first item, and, like, Vladimir and Swain are, like, half useless for the... 10 minutes of the game. So I just think that he is so niche in what he is really good at and, and what he excels at playing that it just doesn't translate. Like, I almost want to see him try to learn, like, Aurelian Soul. Because Aurelian Soul kind of has some some natural beefiness. And we, I said when we were watching VODs too, I'm sort of surprised that his Talia isn't that great. Because you can build Talia with, like, the GLP belt and, and add a little more, you know, utility and health and that kind of stuff into her and he's just not very good at it just betsy's betsy's that one that one like ex-girlfriend i keep looking back at i was like have you have you have you gotten to where i think you are you could be at yet like have you blossomed have you have you like fixed your personality issues have you you know you know cut your hair shorter like have you done anything to like make me think you're turning into the person you could have been and it's like there's those hints of like maybe and then it's back to like oh no you are so yeah. I just want to see Betsy succeed. I would also like to see Rocket beat Fnatic, but uh, uh, Chase, what what's gonna happen in the series? Uh, there is a negative thirty percent chance that Rocket beats Fnatic. It is more likely that the game creates a time paradox in which we are sent back into a parallel universe in which the players are on completely different rosters, and so Rocket wins because they actually have all of the Fnatic players and vice versa that it is that Rocket wins this series as they currently stand. Um, you, you mentioned Betsy's champion pool. Um, for people who are curious, the champions that he played last split um, the most. Uh, Rise isn't played. Swain isn't played. Vladimir isn't played. Corky isn't played. Syndra, he sucked at it. So I'm just, I'm. Vlad well, has, Vlad has been popping up. There have been a couple of Vlad games here and there. It's, it's not meta, but it's still like you could pull out the Vladimir. I, I do not think you could find uh, a, a more grasping at straws way to describe Rocket's hopes right now. If the hope is, hey, let's hope this really niche Vladimir pick works out when you have no top lane pressure and a jungler that 
doesn't know how to work with your mid laner. I miss you, Max Lore. Come home. That's that's what I want to say. Like, look, Misfits, like, that's not going to be as much fun, Look right? at that transition! We're talking about Misfits versus G2 next! Look at Come you! Come home, Max Lore. Please. <laughs> They're at least straight back for Lava Bear. Make, make Misfits Academy deal with this. Make, uh, so, make Monkeys deal with this. So Chase, Misfits have not been as impressive as Fnatic. No. They have not. And I know uh, you're going to say, I, I, it's the end of the split. That's where I'm projecting out to. They can be. No, um, I'm wrong. I was no, wrong. you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. I'm, I'm going to write an article about this right. on, uh, on Unicorn this week. I, I, I am going to write an open letter to Unicorns of Love fans because I'm wrong. And I'm sorry. I, I didn't. Like, my intentions were good. I, I felt like. Your intentions were not good. My intentions were absolutely good. I, I feel like G2 is a very particular style of team. And the thing about Unicorns of Love is that their strengths do not play very well into G2 strengths. G2 has a really good macro understanding. They don't make the same positioning errors, they don't bite into the same kind of baits that, that you know, Unicorns of Love are able to get most teams to, to kind of latch into and make them play on their speed. I mean, you look at how Unicorns of Love took out. Uh, you know, the H2K, it's because they forced H2K to play to their pace of the game in games two and three. When they dictate the tempo, that's when they succeed. And G2 does such a great job of making you play to their tempo and you have to beat them at their game, which Fnatic could do, but I... I well, Unicorns of Love haven't done yet. I think that's fair to say. Um, certainly, we haven't seen them, you know, play since the Korean boot camp, but history says that that's not a good matchup for them. So I was thinking, like, what teams could... And I saw Fnatic, and that was the correct answer. Um, but I thought, you know, like I don't know how this new coach is going to be, and it feels like they rely too much on pocket picks, and it feels like, you know, we're not going to have a, you know, so as that's so consistent, and I'm not sure Brox is really developing. I feel like it's hiding some things because the rest of the team was looking so good. And uh, I was wrong on most of that they've so far proven me wrong in that regard we'll see if they can keep it up they still have to adapt to multiple patches down the line if for whatever reason Kennen got nerfed how would i feel i'm not sure yet um but with misfits i was relying on these three things being true one i was expecting alfari to get better he's gotten worse um the team fighting problems that alfari showed towards the end of the split have only increased since then. It uh, feels like he's become very exploitable in terms of initiating team fights, and his laning has gotten worse as a result. How do you lose lane as a rumble against a Shen? Like that was that's kind of incredible, um, in just the worst way. Uh, I you know I, I expected Ignar to continue to be this playmaking support. Ignar was my pick for first team all pro support last split. Ignar looks terrible. I mean he genuinely looks bad. Just bad vision decisions I, I i mean i honestly i, I wish i knew I, I can't even pretend that i uh i have an answer other than that i thought misfits was going to be good like other than the universal rule that if chase likes them bad things happen which i should remind unicorns of love fans this the best thing that's ever happened to you is me not being in your corner for as long as i have been because the karmic justice of not having me put my stench on your team is positive look what happened to misfits i mean i I mean, I don't know. Like, it's not like Ignar is playing totally different champions. He's played Tom Kench. He's played Bard. He's just not doing well. He's making very sloppy mistakes, and he's overextending for Vision in a way that he just didn't last split. And then the third thing that I was expecting was that Daku was going to learn 
from the series that they lost in the playoffs from almost losing to Splice, which should have been a 3-0 series against them there, and from getting just destroyed by Unicorns of Love and uh, and then Fnatic in the third place match. And apparently they haven't. They refuse to put Han Sama on these hyper carries. You know, he, he does very well on the Varus. I really like the way his Varus is playing, but Varus can only do so much, right? He's a poke champion. He has he hits the ultimate to kind of pin people down and he gets that poke damage, but he's not going to carry a fight the way that, you know, a, a Twitch would or a Kogma would. And they won't put him on those champions. And I don't know why, because he's looked great in every single game. And you know, to be fair, so is Power of Evil. I think Power of Evil is still an amazing mid laner. I had him as my first team all pro last split. I think he's still in my top three right now. I think the fact that he's been able to put together so many high-quality games on a team that's kind of collapsing all around him is rather impressive. Um, and I, I think Maxlor has done exactly what I thought Maxlor was going to do, which is that he's keeping Power of Evil looking really good. Um, he knows how to get his mid laner ahead. They've done well at that. But when both side lanes are kind of collapsing because Ignar's playing poorly and not setting Hansama up very well, and Alfari's playing poorly, and I just don't know where he's going right now in his career and the coaching staff isn't doing him any favors and they're not making these macro adjustments to the flaws that have been exposed in their play I don't know man I was wrong I was wrong because I had faith in three things none of which seem to be coming together and probably by the end of the split one of them will start working out I don't think Ignar is going to be this bad all split long I don't think that Alfari is going to completely retract I think he'll figure it out eventually you know he's you know he's Young players is kind of like a sophomore slump, if you will. I think there's a chance he adjusts. But I have lost faith in the idea that all three of these things are going to work at once. I don't think they, as they're built right now, as the infrastructure around them is set up right now, are poised to do all three of the things that I thought they were going to do. So I was wrong, Unicorns of Love. I, I'm sorry. Um, I'm still not sure whether it's you or Fnatic for the two seed. So don't. Don't fall too much in love with me yet. I haven't decided. I, I'm still writing the article now, so I, I'm still going back and forth. That, but, that, that's your problem, is you just, you're just waffling between the two of them. Instead of staying firm on one of your predictions, you just completely <laughs> said, I was completely wrong, and now I have to make a new prediction. Nah, uh, but this series, Chase, <laughs> Misfits versus Wait, G2. Hold, hold on, tell me why, I would, why should I hold faith in Misfits? Why do I have any reason to believe that this team is the team that I thought they were going to be? Because that was the team that you thought they were at the beginning of the season, and uh, you should leave the dance with the girl that you brought. That's all I'm saying. You should leave the dance with the girl that, that you brought. We're a, we're a quarter of the season in. There are only 13 series in a season. There are three series in. They're just not that good. I at mean, some point, you have to realize that the girl's just not that into you, Walter. <laughs> Misfits just aren't that into me, clearly. I don't I just think that's the appropriate analogy I mean, here. No, but, probably you know. not. But you know what? It's fine. <laughs> They're going to lose to G2. Let's talk about another team, because it makes me sad when I think about how much Misfits have disappointed me. They're the most disappointing team to me well, you spent in Europe right now. Half of your Misfits time talking about the Unicorns of Love, so let's talk about Splice instead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you... Splice. Yeah. You are quickly becoming Vitality, in that you're boring <laughs> to watch. <sighs> the Vitality Splice series would genuinely... Uh, a, a a war of attrition between my eyelids and my desire to be well prepared for the show. 
Um, why, Chase, why should I care about this team anymore? Because they don't look anything above the fifth or sixth best team in Europe. I mean, do you enjoy watching Suncox play roaming champions like Talia? Because when he's able to roam, Suncox looks significantly better than when he can't. I, um, I, do. I, I think that that's I a more fun Suncox. I, I like, uh, I mean, do you like hyperscaling 80 carries? Because Kabi does really well in the limited to late game on team fights. Cleans up quite nicely. I'm a forgiven fan, so it's kind of like 50 50 there. Yeah, so, do you yeah. like. Um, do you like bully top laners where you can have a guy like Wonder play something like Kled and just try to, to really split push their way to victory? See, I, I do love that, but then there's also the counterpoint of he blind picks Akali, so... Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, and do you like that if it's 80% less of it than what you... Like, if it's 20% less than what you'd like. It's like 80% of all of those nice things because the other 20% is putting Senkux on Syndra or blind picking Akali or just not realizing that you're allowed to pick more than two team fights in the first 30 minutes of the game. Like that's that's the compromise that you make. It's like there are all these things about Splice that I genuinely like when I look at them as individual pieces and then you're like, well, just when you synergize them together, it's like a potion where you get like 85% potency from than you would get from each individual ingredient. It's like, well, I don't know how much I like this anymore. Like it's still good. Like there's still pieces that should go together. Um and, and, and to be clear, like, I, I talked about Misfits of the lens of Unicorns of Love, but I, I do want to just say, just to, to give Unicorns of Love fans uh, the time and credit they deserve, um, Xerxes is a really good League of Legends player, and his Zac makes me genuinely warm and fuzzy on the inside, um, as does his Warwick. I'm so glad that he's playing that again. Xerxes I, I love with it. X champion makes me warm and fuzzy. <laughs> that, that's just the appropriate sentence. Xerxes, I, love I it. really hope TSM doesn't poach him away in the spring. I look. They're gonna like, get Joko now. We've I, talked about I, this. I, I joke about that. Like, oh, TSM will get Xerxes. I don't want them to. Like, I love TSM, but I would rather see Unicorns of Love get over the hump. Like, I would rather see them beat G two and go to Worlds and like see what this team can actually do on an international stage and see Sheepy have to combat the minds of like Kakoma and just yeah. And I, I have not felt this way about a European team since Moscow Five. I haven't. What? And you I, should be excited because they turn the corner on one thing that really changes the way I, I view the Unicorns of Love, which is that they no longer are requiring on their solo laners to carry the game. Samix can carry the game on his own, no problem. <laughs> and this is guy like when people talked about it this split, they were like at the end of the split, it's like, oh, do they need to replace Samix? He doesn't feel like a real Unicorn of Love. He's just so kind of standard and does his thing. I'm like, he has a role on that team. And I promise you, if he was given the opportunity, he could show all these other things. He just does what they asked him to do. And lo and behold, when Samix is given the opportunity to do more, it's delightful. I might have been wrong on Misfits, but I was right about Samix, and I was right about Fnatic. I'm going to take two out of three ain't bad. That's, that's how I feel. I, I had Fnatic beating G2 last, this last week. That's yeah, but you I'm... weren't... Like, Fnatic was, like, your sixth-place team in the, in the preview show. So no. you weren't right about Fnatic. No, I'm pretty sure that can't be true. I think we should delete any video evidence if that is indeed the yeah, case. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were your sixth. I'm pretty sure they were sixth. But I, I think they were fourth. This series... Sadly enough. Or fifth. Is this series a 2-1? Are Unicorns of Love just going to kind of continue their jaunt through Group B and there's no real competition until they get into interleague play and they play against Fnatic and they play against G2? 
Yeah, no, this is Unicorns of Love's group to lose at this point. And I think yeah. that, you know, what we learned last week is that they still have H2K's number because H2K still doesn't know how to force the Unicorns of Love system to play to their to their strength and their their style of play. The skirmish ability for Unicorns of Love, even when behind, the number of fights that they took in that game three, even when they were losing, even when it looked like the game was entirely in H2K's favor, I mean, they were forcing H2K to scrape and crawl for every little inch. And I think that overall that just made them, um, you know, that gave them the opportunity to come back and win that series. And I don't think that there's... I haven't seen anything from H2K that says it's going to be different the next time they match up. I certainly don't think that, you know, this this splice team is going to be the one that shows up and suddenly uncovers the secret weakness of Unicorns of Love that we're not seeing right now. I don't think that they have the, the tools necessary. The secret weakness of the Unicorns of Love is that they just keep fighting. Like, it's their weakness and their strength. It's like, a team fight can go either way. If Unicorns of Love win a team fight, that can bounce a lead back in their favor. If they lose it, they just compound their leads. They just... This reminds me of, like, Immortals, when Hooney and Rainover were on that team, and they just kept fighting, 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 fighting. And when the, the summer split, when they weren't just completely stomping everybody not named TSM. At first, the spring playoffs, then going into the summers, where even when they were behind, they just kept fighting. They refused to go down like punks. They're saying we'd rather lose in 25 minutes, you know, because we kept trying to get back into the game, than stall it out for 55 minutes and then eventually lose. So that is their greatest weakness and their greatest strength is that they never stop trying. But if they keep like screwing up or they keep losing fights, it just will compound it to the point that it's almost impossible for them to get back uh, without some semblance of something miraculous, like a Baron steal or anything like that. Uh, moving on, Saturday's games. Chase Rocket versus Ninjas in Pajamas. Is there literally anything that we have to say about either of these teams? I mean, we already talked about Rocket, so I'm just going to take some time to say uh, Prophet is a good League of Legends player, and I appreciate Nagne's roaming ability. Um, even if it wasn't qualifying for kills, I, I think he did a very good job of, of keeping the team alive and relevant for as long as he could, especially with his Galio Grand entrances. I thought those were very solid. It is unfortunate that Hikyu is terrible and Spraddle is terrible. And I forgot that Shook was even playing on the team, by the way, that he played this <laughs> week. I literally, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, oh, right, Shook's on this team because he had no impact in any stage of the game, which is pr probably the most Shook thing at this point in his career. So, I mean, Rocket's going to win. It's not going to be pretty. You're not going to be happy that you watch the game with the exception of like one profit pop-off opportunity, because there is a good chance that he could just destroy Faxi on something like a Kled or a Fiora and just like force the team, just drag the rest of these bodies of this Ninjas and Pajamas team across the finish line for a map victory. But it's not, it's not looking great. I, uh, I'm gonna disagree with you. I'm gonna say Ninjas and Pajamas win. Whoa! My signature in pajamas win. Uh, Nagne is the only Western player that should be allowed to play Galio mid lane. Only Western player. Faker obviously is allowed to do it because he's Faker and he can do whatever he want. And I haven't paid enough attention to LPL or LCK to figure out if there's any other semi-good Galio players. But I think Nagne's, Nagne's Galio is really, really good, and it allows him to uh, 
to to highlight profit as the primary carry on their team. And yes, I totally believe that profit uh, can absolutely crush Faxi, and I think that the stronger solo laners of NIP will be more than enough to sort of overwhelm the bot lane of Rocket. I see a lot of like four or five man dives happening onto that bot tower, especially early on, to try and knock Karnan and Wadded off their game. I can see a lot of bans going that direction to try and throw them onto less comfortable champions. Um, yeah, I actually think at Ninja's Pajamas win this series because I don't think Pride Stalker is a League of Legends player. I I would love to see how HeQ puts together two decent enough games to win the team fights necessary for Ninja's Pajamas to take Listen, if series. Keith can do it, HeQ can do it. I'm not sure. If yeah. Keith can do it, HeQ can do it. All he's got to do is hit some Ash Arrows. That's all he's got to do. Hit some Ash Arrows, hit some Chains of Corruption. That's all you got to do, mate. That's all you got to do. I, I think the saddest sign for the Rocket right now is that I, I can't... <laughs> you can't argue against it. I can't it. tell you're you like, you're yes. 100% wrong. That's I, I'm not saying, like, it's not out of play. Like, I, I mean, I still think Rocket wins, but, like, I don't have that, oh, well, clearly Rocket are going to be... You know, and, and for the record, I'm saying this about a team that has won two maps. They haven't gotten blown out yet in a series. They do tend to put it together at least one strong game. Three it's... It's not enough, mind you, but I don't know, man. I Ninjas of Pajamas are a really bad League of Legends team outside of their Korean players. I think Rocket's a pretty bad ready. League of Legends team right now outside of their AD carry and their Korean players, so. <sighs> Let's just move on. This is just making but, me sad yeah, all around. That's the point. That was literally the point of that entire experiment. <sighs> Finally, we're going to end things with uh, Team Snoresville versus H2K. We've already spent way more energy than I want to expend on Vitality, so what about H2K? I don't... I This is like the Cloud9 argument. I don't think this core can do it. I get I, it. They were in the semifinals of Worlds last year. I totally understand that, but I don't think this core can get it done in Europe. Here's the thing. Um, individually, H2K's players are each likely in the top three at their position from a pure mechanical basis. I had all of their players within my top three all-pro teams um, last split because I thought all of them individually deserve that, that honor. No. I think the problem that you have if you're looking at H2K is they have no idea how to play from behind. And when they lose one gear in the H2K machine that I'm constantly referring to them as. I really do feel like they have this very systematic structure of Yankos gets the gank and that gets a kill that then can transfer onto the bottom half of the map and then he snowballs the lead and they push together these one or two lanes and it doesn't matter which lane it is because all of their laners are capable of carrying but the important thing is that he snowballs at least one of them and then that opens up the other one to be a little bit more free and to roam around the map more and then once the map opens up they just snowball. But if they're either not allowed to snowball because Yankos is neutralized early, which we've seen good teams be able to do in the past, G2 certainly has been able to do that to them in the past, or you force them to constantly fight and force them into this situation where it's their macro play and their team fighting rather than any individual skirmishing ability, which is something I think the Unicorns have loved to do very well, H2K don't have an answer to that. I, I think the, the interesting thing for them is going to be how they deal with Fnatic. I actually think that's a very interesting matchup when that eventually happens because Fnatic is another team that it feels like 
there is a clear set of situations that you look at when they have their wins. Um, and I think that H2K system kind of, you know, the Fnatic system doesn't really mess with what H2K likes to do very well. Um, it doesn't, there's no real counter in the way that Fnatic likes to play the early game that says like, oh yeah, well, Brox is going to counter Jungle Yankos. Well, no, no, he's probably not. But that aside for now, as I think in this hypothetical mind games for several weeks from now, match up whenever they actually do play. Um, for now, H2K are a team that's way too good to lose to any of the bad teams and not smart enough to beat the really good teams. And at some point, that ha you have to ask the question, what is Prawley doing to grow as a coach? Because I think the H2K strategy is a strong strategy. It is a strategy that makes them incredibly viable for the vast majority of the split. They are better than seven to eight of the other teams in the region at any given point. But what is the adaptation that they have made that make, has made their system better since the start of the season? What, what has they added to their arsenal? Either from like a pocket pick or just a, a kind of different pathing decision. What adaptation have they made to their overall playstyle? Because I don't think they've made one. No, nothing yet, but they have in the past. Yankos added Ivor three or four weeks into the season, and all of a sudden brought it out, and we were like, oh, wow, he played Ivor. And like, I think we, it could be like a Warwick or a yeah, but, he like, played, but like, this is my problem. Like, he played Ivern the way that you would play an aggressive, ganking jungler. Like, he still had one mindset of it. He was still ganking all the time in the early game to snowball a lead, to get his solo laners going so that they could open up the map. It's it's that exact pace of the game every time. No matter what champions they're doing, well, they might mix up the champions, but they will fit it into this one pace of the game playstyle. And, you know, Unicorns of Love, we've seen, even though they like to fight all the time, you know, there are games where they'll fight in the first five minutes. There are games where they'll start fighting in, like, 15 minutes. They have they have an understanding of, so, you know, when to do what. So here's the thing. Prolly and HTK remind me of the Memphis Grizzlies, where forever it was, we're this beat-em-up bruiser team. We play Marcus All, we play Zach Randolph, we have Mike Conley, we do all these pick-and-rolls, we do all this post stuff. And while the rest of the NBA got slimmer, got shorter, or, you know, got quicker, pulled everything out, they said no. No other team has the kind of front line that we do. We're going to beat them up. We're going to beat them up. And they got wins. They got to con you know, conference semifinals. They took games off of teams that were better than them. They beat teams in series that were better than them. And yes, at some point, if you're H2K, and this is why I don't think they made any wholesale changes, why they haven't replaced Prowley, why they haven't replaced Oduwami or Yonkos or any of this, why they continue to just be in this system of we make top three every single split. One of these splits, like, one of these splits, it's going to go our way and we're going to win a championship. And we won't have these discussions anymore. That's what I feel like the mindset is. is like, like, we're just one team fight going our way from we have a championship. So why change this core? And they haven't had a moment where, like, Memphis had, has had moments where all of a sudden Marcus Saul gets injured or Zach Randolph gets injured or Zach Randolph just can't keep up because everyone has gone so fast. They what haven't we had call? that moment yet. They got 3-0'd by Fnatic in the quarterfinals. What, what, what more moment do you need? Like, you only have two playoffs every split. And, they got crushed and, in the opening round after one of the most well, dominant regular season performances that we'd seen. They true. were monsters in the regular season against everyone that wasn't named Unicorns of Love. And they collapsed. That's in, a, in a terrible collapse. That and against, 
I, you know, I that's that's the thing is I, I feel like I don't think it's a player issue. I think all of these players are individually very talented. I think that they have this, the machine works for a reason. It's a great machine, but at some point, like I, I need to see versatility and the tempo of play that they like in the you know the way they move around the map in terms of you know what objectives they can really play around like can they play a 40 minute grind them out game the way that g2 does i don't i don't think no. so can they play the uh hyper skirmish let's you know we'll trade four for three but we'll get those extra towers and accelerate the game super fast the way unicorns have loved to not Really? No, that's what I'm saying. They, they are, don't they have, are a post And they don't have team. the creativity that, that matches up with a team like Fnatic who can think outside yeah, the box. That's and... why I'm saying they are the Memphis Grizzlies playing post-up two frontline big guys at the advent of the 3 and D chains that the NBA went through. But, okay, but they're the Grizzlies' mentality playing with the, the Cavaliers' roster because they have stars on this team. The Memphis Grizzlies never had players as good as the players that H2K have. And that's the thing that's frustrating about it to me. H2K has five really great two amazing players on their team. I like every single one of those players individually. In ways. You just said it yourself. Yankos has one play style. Fabian has one play style. Oduwamne has one play style. And Odo, to be fair, Oduwamne shifts between I'm either a super tank player or I am a carry player, but he does not exist in a world where he can do both of those things at once. There is not a time oh, where you see him go Shen and then play Fiora the next game. He is either, this is the style of play that I'm doing is one or the other. I don't mix it up from a, you know, week to week basis, from a game to game basis, from a series to series basis. And that's where you're, you're making your point of they all seem very stuck in their ways. It's all very rigid. It is five six pieces with probably all fitting perfectly into this machine to create h2k which up until last split is a consistent top three finisher and went and was in the world semifinals well and i guess that's ultimately where I, where i'm coming from with the, the talent angle is because i never thought the memphis grizzlies were good enough to win a championship i think h2k is so i find the fact that i cannot imagine them playing in a final series the way they're playing right now despite the incredible amount of talent, it, it, it it's much more frustrating, I guess, to me. Because I feel like this is a team that with a couple tweaks, with a change in the way that they practice, with a change in the way that they approach their scouting reports, and, the, and you know, they have the talent. They could do it. But they're, they're, they go unchallenged for the vast majority of these splits. And so they don't have to most of the time. And it means that as good as H2K is, and they could be good enough to go to Worlds, they'll never be as good as I think they could be. And that's kind of a shame, because I don't know many teams uh, in the West in general who have as much talent across the board and the much mo more untapped potential at all five positions. Like, even TSM, like Svenskan, is not that great. No? He has been I that great, though. He was amazing at Worlds last year. He was amazing. Let's not rewrite history. He That's was not, amazing. I, I will say, you know, we'll, I, you know, we're, we'll get into NA later, but I do think that the the talk on social media about Spence Garrett has gone way too far in the other direction. There's this whole idea that, oh, he was never that good. Yes, he was. Shut he's up. He's had some splits where he's been an absolutely fantastic juggler. Yeah. That is, being said, yeah. H2K versus Vitality, H2K 2-0? 2-0. Clean 2-0. A 3-0 in two maps somehow. <laughs> They somehow circle back around and destroy the Nexus a second time while Vitality's still trying to lane phase. <laughs> this is going to be rough.
So, yeah. This is definitely H two and up. This is definitely H two okay. Yeah. That being said, that has been an awfully long podcast because we talked <sighs> we talked a lot about like the games themselves because we didn't have the have the lines to kind of keep us hyper focused because yeah like we're the third week in the season we're a quarter of the way into it like yeah let's stop and talk about every single team and if you disagreed with anything that either of us said. You guys can find us on social media. I am at C80s underscore LOL on Twitter. Chase, where can the good folks at home berate you for your Misfits second place prediction? Look, you can find me mea culpa at Redshirt King. You can also find it. It's going to be on Unicorn. I got an article coming out. I'm hoping it'll be either Wednesday or Thursday this week. And uh, I will say, uh, during this episode, I did go back and check. I did put Fanatic 5th underneath h2k fifth, i did not remember doing that fifth, my bad no fifth, i you know i not sixth fifth. i'm not i'm not proud of that i i feel like i need to go back and find a time machine and talk to previous me and figure out where i was going chase with this. chase it's okay because you know what everyone makes mistakes uh javel mcgee is now an nba finals champion oh god javel mcgee as in the guy who like created the shacking a fool yeah that chat does on tnt it's it's a thing but yeah i mean overall if you guys like this more relaxed kind of free-flowing nature of the pod um let us know what you think um i don't think we're going to do this very often because uh we like the structure that gambling lines bring but you know this is something that maybe we could do like on a stream while we're playing league of legends where we just talk about it in a kind of loosey-goosey way and bounce among teams like this so if you like that kind of free-flowing style of it let us know if you if you want to say hey you guys rambled for way too long shut the hell up let us know that too there is um, a link to a survey down in the description that you can go and you can fill out some answers to questions and there's another comments page and you can just tell us why this episode was great or why it was awful you can do that that's a thing that we put down there for you along with links to all of our social media including facebook soundcloud youtube uh, our Patreon link is down there if you want to support the podcast that way. Our Discord channel is down there, too. You can join all of us in our Discord channel. Uh, come hang out. We talk about the games when Ron, I, when I'm at work and TSM's playing, I come home to a whole bunch of memes about how, oh, TSM did this or TSM did that or, oh, you're so wrong about Cloud9 or this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and we also are doing a fantasy league with some of our fans. Uh, our producer, Nick, the producer, did a recap of week one. And he'll be doing a recap of week two as well. That'll probably be out on Wednesday or Thursday. So go check that out. Uh, Nick was very proud of himself after that episode. He, You did a good job, Nick. That was a very excellent job uh, for the first one. You know, I made sure that you got some extra special kibble in your diet this week. <laughs> Uh, that being said, this episode was just the lines. We will have the actual lines out again probably Wednesday. Might be early, early Thursday morning for our European fans, but you can get the lines for that. And, of course, North America will come out on, uh, on Thursday as well with the lines. Uh, so with that being said, that has been a podcast. Join us later in the week for all the rest of our great content. And until then, goodbye, Internet. You can follow the Rough Drafts Podcast on all your favorite social media sites. Twitter, at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com, backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com, backslash Esports Rough Drafts, YouTube.com, backslash Rough Drafts Podcast, 
as well as on iTunes by searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. The Rough Drafts Podcast is supported by our lovely Patreons at patreon.com backslash Pod. and by viewers like you. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.